to uh yeah so we're ten to five to ten minutes and uh yeah so uh there was a hush of a yard site that came up this week past week uh on uh monday i believe the 29th of year um and his name was Rev. mayor permission nisa am i saying it right what is mayor Rev. Mayor Parmelizan. 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 Okay. Uh, all right. He was a child of about 10 years old, and he taught Rabbi Dov, Podheit, a chosa of Mayor, Rev. Aaron Leib of Parmelizan, every Thursday, which was marked, which was a market day, so the boy would collect donations and give them out to the poor. In the course of his rounds, he once came to a butcher by the name of Shimon and asked him for his weekly donation of the kurutzer, which was a coin at that time. Well, I'll give you, the butcher said, on the conditions that you tell me whether this ox that I want to buy is going to turn out to be a kosher or not. Well, very well, said the boy. If you give me a half of fetge, that is ten... Then I'll tell you. And what happened? The butcher thought it over and gave him. And the boy told him, "This ox can't be eaten. It's trace." Trace. Pointing to another ox, the butcher asked, "And what about this one?" Well, if you give me another half, other uh, half coin, then I'll tell you. And when he received the coin, he said. About this ox, there aren't even any questions about the possible uh, blemishes. And it's long. It is glot kosher. The butcher had his doubts as to whether there was any substance to this, but he paid his two and a half coins because the boy was born of a holy mother, holy parents, and he was a very likable child. So everyone knew the money he collected was for poor people and it was so that Shema bought the second ox while the first was bought by some other butcher. Sure enough, Shema's ox was in fact kosher and the other one was found to be traced. The following Thursday when the boy came to the ox market to collect his donation, Shema the butcher called him aside and said, Meche, I'll give you a whole coin if you tell me whether each one of the ox for sale is kosher. If you give me a half a coin for each ox, said the boy, I'll tell you. And the butcher paid in full without hesitation. And the boy told him, this one is kosher, this one is trace, etc. And so on. Well, young Mero was, of course, delighted with the way things had worked out, for he now had a considerable sum to give to the poor people. Well, the butcher, for his part, seeing that the child never missed his target, approached him on the third week with a new proposition. I'd like to make a contract with you. I will pay you weekly for each ox, according to your request, provided that your our little transaction remains a secret. I'm not interested in contracts and secrets, said the boy, but if you give me a half a coin for each ox, I'll give you the answer. This went on for a few months, and no one knew of it. Week by week, the butcher paid in advance for his information. As a result, which he prospered exceedingly, became because... He bought nothing but kosher animals. While the other butchers grew poor, his competitors banded together and brought their bitter complaint to the local rav. It was clear that the shaykhsim were receiving bribes from Shimon in exchange for which they pronounced his animals kosher, while his, of course, of the shechita, they either caused or pronounced their animals to be trafe. But you can't see for yourself in the shechting house, the slaughterhouse, said the rabbis, that all of Shimon's cattle are in fact kosher without any room for the slightest doubt. And what is to be done if he has such good fortune? Well, the butchers didn't have any answer to that. 
Well, nevertheless, they started watching Shimon's movements very closely. Kendallach, what do you think they found? Well, what could be, what could he be doing to ensure that all the animals were kosher? The following Thursday, they watched him walk to a little mare who was pointing out at each oxen. When Shimon finally left, as they approached, Chan said, "Make it, pray for us too, just like you pray for Shimon." please do us whatever you do for Shimon. I don't do anything, he said. If you give me a half a coin, I'll tell you what I tell him. Well, what is it they tell, tell him to do? Tell us to, and then we'll do whatever he does. He asked me which ox is kosher and which none is not. And, said Mayor, I tell him. So they gave him each a half coin and pointed at uh, he, and pointed at an ox that stood near him. That one's trave, said the boy. But they pointed out an ox. He said, but you have given me only one half, uh, one half coin. And Shimon gives me that much every single hour. So that's a secret, said the butchers to each other. And from then, Thursday on, they gave Mayor in partnership the amount he got for Tadoka and walked with him up and down the marketplace while he told them which hawks were kosher and which weren't. When word of this reached the boys, Muhammad Ravdov, he scolded him. He gave him Moser and told him in the future he should not tell anyone things revealed to him through Ruach HaKodesh. Well, so currently when Rav Dov went to visit the Rebbe, his father, Rav Mary's father, he told him the whole story, adding that he had scolded the Rebbe's son. Well done, said the father. A boy must learn not to divulge privileged information. Anyways, Nissan, do we have, uh, is he calling in? He's a 917 number. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. So, we're going to go to our next story. All right. Who likes stories? Me, I do. Uh, yeah, I know you do. Uh, Schmelke, what are you doing here this week? I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I did this week. You don't know what you did this week? What did you learn about this week? I learned about Schwitz. Oh, you learned about Shavuos. Okay. Shmelki, tell me something about Shavuos. Well, number one, there's seven weeks to Shavuos from Pesach. Yeah, that's true, right? Number two. Hey, that was your partial question, wasn't it? Yep, that was my question. And you just answered it. That's very kind of you, Shmelki. Um, and do you have anything else that you might add for Shavuos? I eat a lot of cheesecake. Oh, please, Shmelki. That's not good to eat so much cheesecake. It's not healthy to eat so much cheesecake. You can't eat that much cheesecake. I'm not allowing that this year. I'm not even buying any for you. Well, too bad on you. I already bought them. And uh, whose money did you buy them with? I'm not telling you. <laughs> well, for all those you know, Schmelke's sitting on the, uh, by the other mic where you can't see him. So, of course, it looks like I'm talking. But really, Schmelke's sitting right there. Uh, on the other mic, right here. Um, so, Nisim, is he calling yet? In the minute, you will call. Put <laughs> on. All right. Okay. Well, so basically, the story I told before was about Rav Meir, was about the Chashvatadik Rav Meir Parajan. Parajan. He was a very Chashvatadik, uh, and his yurtzer was the 29th, I believe, of uh, ear, and. Yeah, it, it just shows you what a tzaddik he was. This is only one story. I mean, there's many. And you know what? Uh, your tzaddik is coming. Who's your tzaddik is coming? Oh, yeah. David Amalek, of David, course. Yeah. And who else? Uh, uh, Rus. Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, that, that we're saving for. An, uh, when is that coming up, Nisim? Shavuot. Oh, on Shavuot. Oh, I didn't know the Baal Shem Tov. All right, you know what? I'll discuss that next week. That will be a next week's show about the Baal Shem Tov. Okay. Well, you know what, Kindalach? Shavuos is approaching. And you know something? Uh, Shmoke, you want to say something? Yeah, well, and I learned about Shavuos that Nami married Rus. Nami married Rus? What are you talking about? Nami didn't marry Rus. Nami, Nami was the mother-in-law of Rus. Boys and girls. Shmoke is a little bit confused. I'm not confused. I'm confused. Right. Okay. Yeah. And. All right. Okay. And I believe he's on the phone. I believe Ellie Gerstner is on the phone. And we're going to have him in just one minute. 
talking to you guys about his uh, exciting music career. Okay. Well, so before before we get to um, uh, be, be, before we get to Ali Gerstner, by the way. Before we uh, get to Ellie Gerstner, I'm going to talk about Ellie Gerstner a little bit. Ellie Gerstner is a uh, composer. He's a person who's ran a choir, the Yeshiva Boys Choir. So he's like one of the heads of the Yeshiva Boys Choir. And he is also a uh, composer. And uh, yeah, and he's coming on right now. How are you doing, Ellie Gerstner? How are you doing? Baruch Hashem. So, um... Let's first start off with this. I know uh, you have a long career in your music uh, career. And what was the first CD you came out with? First CD I came out with was an album called Hine, which was my first solo album. First album ever came out in uh, Adar, 1999. 1999. So it's been so, 20 years. <laughs> we're going back 21 years, basically. Wow. Yeah, yeah, this past perm was 20 years. Yeah, mom is crazy. So that, that's a, like really unbelievable talent. Now, I also know that you do, we, you do something with Yeshiva Boys. Um, do you have any idea when Yeshiva Boys uh, is going to come out with a new CD? Or uh, I know you're working on a new CD of something, but uh, that was uh, in the privacy of... Uh... He's always working on something new. <laughs> As long as Nissan comes to my house, we have everything done. That's it. We have every every album could be worked on as long as Nissan comes over. Um, Baruch Hashem, we have uh, yeah, we have a lot a lot of different CDs that are being worked on right now. The thing that keeps getting pushed off is just because um, this other part of my my business is now this production for for these shows, like for the Hass concert, for Rachel's place, for Waterbury these big shows and they take up a lot of my time and it's very hard for me to find the time to go into the studio to finish these projects. But, uh, we're working on a new Yeshiva Voice Choir, a new Hever album, a new solo album, a new other group, a brand new other choir, another group. Um, and hopefully very, very soon in next, hopefully even the next few weeks, we should have a new YBC live, uh, but hopefully before the summer, even wow, a new yeah. YBC live DVD so that people drive upstate, they have something to watch. Uh, some 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 very very exciting stuff, Hashem. Beautiful. We wish you luck. Uh, I know that I'm jumping here, but you know this is a kids' hour and this is the the talent show, and we always encourage the kids. And we we, we love to to hear from you how you started as a kid, how was your parents' reaction, and all this stuff, and we would love to to hear from you. Sure, sure. So we had we had a um, we had a piano in the house growing up, but. It wasn't like um, it wasn't like for anybody really to go play or whatever. But I used to love just sitting by the piano and just trying to figure out, like 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 a lot of the listeners, like a lot of the kids are listening right now. I'm sure everybody loves to play piano and loves to bang around a little bit. So I enjoyed it very much, and um, but that didn't really get me started. Also, I like banging on the tables a lot. You know, a lot of these kids they sit there banging on the tables. If you're banging on beats, then you have rhythm and you have. You have a talent. You just don't realize that you can sit on it and maybe get instruction and get someone to teach you. But most kids that sit there and banging on the table, you don't realize. I was the kid that everybody kept saying, "Oh, you're making so much noise. Stop playing, Gary. Stop banging on the table." You know that that was that was me. That was the kid that just kept banging on the table. And um, for years, that's how really it went down. Um, I was always part of like the school choirs and the camp choirs and. Uh, Stuff like that, because as a kid, I loved to sing and I loved to be, I loved music. And then, um, what really changed everything? Um, I was about maybe 12 or 13 years old. I started playing drums a little bit more professionally. I started playing in camp, my camp uh, band, and then I became in my high school. I was in the yeshiva band. I was playing drums there. When I was about 15, I wrote my first song, and that really changed everything for me. Um, I wrote my first song. I still don't really know how it happened or why it happened, whatever. I know why it happened because it was the night that my great-grandfather, who I was very close to, the night that he passed away, I was in yeshiva in a dormitory, and I was very, very, very sad. Mom was crying. 
and uh, I'm not sure until today. I don't know why or what or when or whatever, but I just started singing in Niggin, and it calmed me down. And I remember after I finished singing the song, I turned to my friends in my class and I said, "Do you know this song?" And I started singing it to them, and they said, "No, I don't know." I said, "I think I wrote a new song." And that was the first of Varsha. Now it's well over 2,000 songs, and just um, that really started everything. Once I started writing songs, I started putting it out on albums, and that al- the album started turning into concerts, concerts started turning into production. And uh, yeah, Baruch Hashem, over 20 years later. So how did you start with the Chavra? So after my two solo albums, Hine and Yasis, um, which was uh, 1999 and, and the beginning of 2001, I got married, and uh, I wanted to look at trying to make music into a, as a singer. I uh, wasn't really making up Parnassah as a singer. I was just doing shows here and there, and I was, I was, uh, you know, uh, singing at Hasanas and stuff like that. I didn't feel like this was going to be a way that I can live the rest of my life, and I would want to try. So I decided that besides being a singer, I'm going to try to put together a few guys. There was a big, a big, uh, like, lack of a certain type of music. I remember I was in Shiva, and there were a lot of boys that were saying, you know, oh, we don't like Jewish music. We want to listen to Gaish music. And I remember saying this was 20 years ago, and I said, more than 20. This already was 25 years ago. And I, I remember saying, you know, what do you mean Gaish music? Gaish music is, is disgusting. It's, it's, what, what do you listen to Gaish music for? It's Jewish music. Jewish music is beautiful. Listen to how hard sick it is. Look how beautiful it is. And I didn't understand what they were saying. Why were they saying they want the Gaish, not Jewish? It didn't make sense to me. And they weren't everybody. This was Yechidim. There were a few people that did that. And I realized it wasn't that they liked Jewish music or that they didn't like Jewish music. It's that they didn't like the dressing. They didn't like the clothing of Jewish music. Meaning, like, they didn't like the trumpets. Not that they didn't like the song, because I see at a concert they were singing the songs. At, 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 at Love Malkas they were dancing for the songs. But they didn't like the, the dressing, the arrangements of the songs. They didn't like the horns and the, and, and the way the drummers were playing. And, and I realized that if, if I could just put out an album, that the songs are still regular Jewish songs, beautiful songs, nice hearts are going to go in. But we dressed it a little bit different. It was a little bit different of an arrangement, maybe. Maybe a little bit more today then maybe we can reach these kids and say, look, this is Jewish music also, and enjoy it. So when I first put out the Hebrew, that was the idea. I'm going to have four guys singing songs that I wrote that will sing a lot of harmony, and like that. I've ever seen in a concert. It's a bunch of harmonies, and the music will be dressed differently. The music will, uh, will be dressed a little bit more without trumpets and without certain mu- instrumentation that Jewish music was known for. Um, dance music, whatever, pop music. And, and Baruch Hashem, that was the start of Hebra. And Hebra came out, and, and it was uh, tremendous, Baruch Hashem. The first album had the songs Yehei on it, Makalenu, and uh, a few others. It was, okay, and that so was really the start of everything. That was my first EG production, officially. So that was Hebra. Yeah. Okay, so now we're moving on to the new one, Technoi, right? Technoi? Yeah, technically, it was years later. Yeah, actually, if you want to go in chronological order, so after Hebra came out, we did a, a couple of albums, Hebra 1, Hebra 2, Hebra Acapella with uh, Shlomo Kavach songs. Um, right. We put out another group called Menucha. Menucha, right, I remember that. That was in 2003. Um, and um, that also was a different style. There, I did the opposite. There I said, okay, people like groups. Okay, now I'm going to do it real Jewish music the way people know Jewish music, with taka trumpets, with strings, with everything. And I did it that way. And for those that like that style, and that about a few months after that, I uh, connected with my one of my friends, Yossi Newman, who was a Rebbe in Cleveland at the time. And uh, he was leading a bunch of yeshiva choirs in Cleveland. Different, like the three or four yeshivas there. They had school choirs. Yossi was leading them. And I spoke to Yossi on the phone, and we spoke about maybe putting out our own choir. And that's how the Yeshiva Boys Choir was start- actually started in Cleveland. 
We took the best kids of all these schools. Yossi led them, conducted them. I made the arrangements. I wrote the, so- uh, the songs, the production. Yossi also wrote a couple of songs. And, um, and that's how Yeshiva Boy Squire got started. And that was, all, that was the, uh, Hanukkah, the 2003, I remember. After that, once that was also successful, Baruch Hashem, after we did that, I put out another solo album called Be'ishe. Right. And a couple of years later, I put out a, a group album called Technoi, which I was a lead singer, and Yossi Newman was one of the singers as well, and Yossi was another singer. So, and so, we just... So what yeah. gave you the idea to start the boys' choir? I'm sorry? What gave you the idea to start the Yeshiva Boys' Choir? What, what idea? Um, it, it was sort of similar to Hebra, but a certain lack. Like, there was, there was, of course, you know, like Miami Boys' Choir, which I grew up with, which I love, and I love till this very day. I think it's beautiful and amazing. And they were a certain style. And this, this other style that I was releasing with Hebra and with, with all this stuff, I saw there was a lot of Atzlacha, a lot of kids like that certain style of music. So I figured if there's, I want to reach more kids. I want to try to reach as many people as possible. And with Kirov and with also just Stam, connecting to them in this level. And I said, let's, let's do a choir that will have this style of music and this a little bit different, a little bit more, let's say today, so to speak. And that way, there's, there's still room. There's still beautiful music from Miami, and there's still room for Shiva's choir. Just, 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 you know, whatever. And there was a lot of other choirs that were coming out, and they were all beautiful, and they were all doing well. And uh, that's what happened. And Shiva's choir's first album, we had Columbus Palel on it, and Adina Lum on it, and it just, uh, it took, a, took on its life of its own, Baruch Hashem. That's unbelievable. I wish today that uh, let's say the boy want to join the Yeshiva Boy Square. What is doing? What is supposed to be? So since since we started in 2003, we moved the choir a few different places. Uh, originally, we were in Cleveland because that's where Yossi was already. And then once Yeshiva Boy Square started really doing, there was a lot of requests for them to do concerts and stuff like that. We didn't want to take the kids out of Yeshiva. We don't believe to take kids out of Yeshiva for for music. Um, Parents didn't mind, but me and Yassi, we felt. We always say the word yeshiva comes before the word choir, the yeshiva boys choir. So we felt that we didn't want to take the kids out. But the problem is that they're in Cleveland. The only times that we could do a concert then is Sukkot and Pesach because they were all from yeshiva. So Yassi decided to move to New Jersey. And uh, he moved to New Jersey after a year or so of yeshiva boys choir, came into Jersey, and we moved the choir to the five towns. And we teamed up with Yeshiva South Shore, and we had another group of kids from there for a couple of years. And that's where I was, that was our base for a few years. And then there's a lot of kids coming from Brooklyn that wanted to be part of the choir, and it was a schlep for them to five towns. So we said, okay, we're going to move the choir to Brooklyn. And they were in Brooklyn for years. And then just recently, about a year ago, um, Yassi decided, he was in Jersey, he decided to move the choir to Jersey. Teaneck, Passaic, Muncie, uh, you know, that whole North Jersey area. And now that's where the choir is based. But to answer your question, if a kid wants to join the choir and he's from Brooklyn, it might be a schluck for him. But any kid that wants to join the choir, it doesn't matter where you live, there's a phone number on all the boys, all the Shoe Choir albums on my website, everywhere. The EG Productions phone number, it's uh, 718-853-9403. It's everywhere, Mamish, anywhere you can find the you Google my name anywhere you go, it's gonna, that, that number will come up. And you call the number, and uh, the lady that's going to answer the phone will set up a time of when the kid could come and audition to be part of the choir. But in general, it's much, it, it, all the rehearsals now are going to be in North Jersey. So unless you're really from there, it might be a little bit of a schlep. Let, let me ask you a question. How do you get the kids, how do you encourage the kids for, that, that have the talent to join what what do you do to do that that's a talent itself (laughs) yeah yeah listen you know the truth is that that's really there's something about first of all let me tell you about yossi newman okay yossi newman is a tremendous tremendous talent not only was he an amazing rebbe kids loved him when he was a rebbe loved him he was a rebbe a fourth year rebbe for years and he has a, a talent that he's able to to 
not only instruct the kids, but the kids should like him as like almost like a friend. You know, he has that, that ability to have control at the same time, uh, be friendly with the kids and the kids all respect him at the same time. They, you know, they like him and they enjoy the success of everything in music. That's a spe- very, very special talent I guess he has. Um, but as far as coming to audition, I know it takes a lot of uh, guts for a kid to have enough, you know, self-esteem to come and join a choir. My suggestion always is to join like one of these other choirs, like um, Elchana Majewski has a choir called Kolenu, and there are other after-school uh, choirs out there. Most yeshivas have choirs. Uh, my boys go to Tartsima. Tartsima has a voice choir. Every yeshiva has like a voice choir. My, 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 always my thing is, let the kids join the regular yeshiva choir. Let them see what it's about a little bit. Let them get a little bit of a feel to talk to see if they have a good voice, if it's something that people enjoy. And then maybe the next step after that is trying out for, for the majors, as they say, you know, to go to yeshiva voice choir, man voice choir, New York voice choir, all these amazing choirs. To, if you want to go to that next step, that would be my suggestion. Uh, one, one more question about, you know, how, how the, let's say that the kids want to join or, or as a talent, you know, we don't, not only music talent, I would, what do you approach to the parents, just uh, how to encourage this uh, kid with the, his talent? Yeah, well, so I, I would say that no matter, even whether it's choir, whether it's music, whether it's anything, the kid has a talent and parents generally know. Meaning, if you're sitting at the Shabbos table and you're all singing Zmiris, and you have that, and you, you have a, a few children sitting there at the table, you know, you you hear you hear it, you know it. Oh, this kid, Kitaka has a beautiful voice, and maybe you'll feel one doesn't have such a beautiful voice, but this one does have a great voice, and that usually will tell the parents, you know, something. Why this is a beautiful talent? Let's share this with the world. And uh, that's usually what happens. That's usually the next step. You know, you just, you, if a parent sees that a kid has a real interest in music, loves to sing, he's always humming, always banging on the table because he likes to, you know, he likes to play the beats of, of an album. Here's a, here's an, a CD playing, and he starts to tap on the table, and he's tapping on beats. You know the kid has rhythm. You know, the kid might be even a good dancer. You don't know, but if he has rhythm, then the stomach, he can also dance. And uh, these are different signs that the kid has a talent and um, you don't have to be a superstar. This is not about superstars. It's not about being, oh my gosh, this kid is a yachid like nobody else. It's not like that. A kid has a talent and he has, and he has a face he wants to go learn and he wants to go part of a, a choir. He wants to sing, enjoy singing and a choir could, is, could very well be a very good thing for them. All right. So uh, I, uh, how many minutes left do you have? <laughs> Um, actually, I'm about to go upstate for Yonkers, so, uh, okay. so it's, um, yes, it's getting so a little bit late. Last, uh, I'm sure word. everybody has their things to do before Yonkers. Right, so one last word uh, to the kids, they don't, uh, like, uh, help them out, you know, like, for after school, etc., you know, how to convince uh, them uh, to use their talents. I'm sorry, one more right time. Way. Any last words? Hello, I'm sorry, one more time. I'm sorry, I lost you. Any last words on the kids of how to use the talents in the right way? Right, so again, you know, if, we, if, a, if, a, kid, if a kid does have a t- some type of talent, if a kid does have a cheshik to, to, to play music, there's so many things out there now. It's instruction, or you can look it up in almost all the papers, FJJ and the Jewish Views and all these different places where they have... You know, if your son has a talent and wants to play piano, take piano lessons. If your kid plays drums, take drum lessons. Guitar, take guitar lessons. There's so many people out there giving lessons today um, and, and, and singing lessons and everything. And then there are choirs, like, again, like Kolenu and these other choirs where there's after school. You can come in after sun, on a Sunday, whatever, and see if it's something that's for you. See if it's something that, you, that the parents like for the kid to do. Um, but this is a, or join a school choir. That's another big thing. Every school has a choir. Join the school choir. See if it's for you. See if it's something that you like doing. The parents are just getting, ugh, I don't like this anymore. You know, like something like that. If that all works out and you take some lessons, you come maybe play a little bit more piano, play a little bit more drums, play a little more guitar, saxophone, flute, all these beautiful instruments. Um, usually if, it's, if he, sticks, he sticks to it for, for, for you know, a while, uh, that's, that usually is the next step about the, to, to how to grow.
All right. Okay. So enjoy your Yom Tevav stay at Nisim. What do you want to say? I want to ask Chag Sameach, Eli, and Bracha Vatzlacha. And all the best to you and your family. Next time we hope you're going to be in studio with me. Bezrat Hashem. Bezrat Hashem. Thank you, thank you. And for all of you out there, there's nobody like Nisim. Nobody. Mamish. Uh, the guy is such a tzaddik. I, I, close your ears, Nisim. Close your ears. Shall I cut, I cut your microphone? <laughs> okay, yeah, thank, yeah. Thank you. Such thank a tzaddik, Baruch Hashem. And you, should, you should continue to be able to do all this, uh, all this uh, amazing things that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great Shabbos. Have a great Shabbos. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Ellie Gerstner, everybody. And yes, he is coming out with a new CD. As I told you guys, uh, he actually didn't tell me this before, but I found out from a friend of mine who is into music and who's told me this. Um, so, yeah, that was very exciting. Just now, we just had Ellie Gerstner. And uh, for those who want to see it later, hear it later, I believe Nader will have it on uh, YouTube. And I will believe, believe Nader have it on my hotline, Perche hotline. Okay. Well, you know, Shavuos is coming. I did want to say this before. Shavuos is coming. And lo and behold, Shavuos is coming. And, uh, it, you know, Shavuos is uh, one yomtiv that uh, always gives me inspiration about what I, uh, you know, like to do, you know. Not all the time do I have the time to do uh, what I need to do, you know. But Shavuos is a time that actually what I want to accomplish in learning, what I want to accomplish in working in my, uh, in my uh, reading up on uh, Jewish uh, psychology and Jewish uh, books and, uh, you know, uh, Hebrew and uh, my Chumash and uh, learning, it really helps me out on Shavuos. Um, anyways, I have a story. Why do you have so many stories? Why do I have so many stories? Because if I wouldn't be telling stories, then it wouldn't be fair, right? The kids out there want to hear stories, right? Any kid out there want to hear stories? Boys and girls, if you want to hear a story, raise your hand. They can't see you. You mean I can't see them? Well, all right, so text them that you want a story. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, so that was the... That was Ellie Gerstner that I spoke to, and it was unbelievable that we uh, had him on. He's really talented, as I said. His, you know, he was uh, he was unbelievable uh, many uh, years already. It's almost 21 years that he's been making music, and I am uh, very uh, excited that I had him on. Oh, and uh, two weeks from now, I will be having a doctor, Dr. Morgan Stern. And he's not going to come in, but he's going to uh, he's going to come and uh, on the phone, and he's going to uh, talk about summer safety. What is summer safety? What is summer safety? Summer safety is something that uh, let's say you're going swimming and you uh, have the pool. Uh, you don't want to be sunburned, so that's summer safety. Okay, I will let Dr. Mogerstein explain about that. Yes, we'll let. Uh, I don't interrupt anymore because I got to finish this story before I go. Well, how many minutes are you going? Well, I'm going in a few minutes. I'm going uh, 7.55. I'm leaving. Oh, no. That's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Can you read this story? Sure. I'm reading my story right now. Anyways, many years ago, there lived in Tunis a worthy Jew, a Yid named Matliach. He was very Matliach. No, he wasn't very Matliach. Come on. He was actually very not Matliach, but yeah, that doesn't say in the story what he was. But he was definitely a great uh, lover of the uh, Torah. Um, by the way, for those who are listening, you can uh, text in 347-927-8398. And Nisim over here is going to be happy to, uh, happy to read your message. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. No, you're not coming. Sorry, no students allowed today. Sorry, I'm on my own. Okay, so many years ago in uh, this town called Tunis, a worthy Yid named Matliach, he was a great Torah lover, and he was uh, not such an outstanding... Uh, uh, <laughs> um, he was... Uh, yeah, okay. 
nice conversation going on on my Instagram over there. Um, so many years ago, this person, Matliach, he was a great Torah lover. He loved Torah. He loved Torah, and uh, he wasn't very rich, but he did love Torah, and he unfortunately, uh, he unfortunately did not understand the Torah. And he wasn't such a tzaddik, but he was not rich either, and he was very generous. And he was very Yerushimayim. Well, that's Yerushimayim. Well, uh, Yerushimayim. Yes, uh, Daniel, you'll, you'll be coming uh, next week, Billy Nether. Yes, okay. Um, that ends that conversation. Um, okay, so he was very generous, uh, and he was uh, very Yerushimayim dick. Matliach, he was an antique dealer. What's an antique dealer? Antique dealer is somebody who deals with old coins, old things. Does that explain it, Schmoke? That explains it very well. Okay, great. So, now, as he was known, he was a dealer in old stuff and, and antiques, of course. Well, he was very well respected. He was particularly praised for his uh, custom in connection with Schmoke. Oh, what did he have with Schmoke? I don't know what he had in Schmoke. Come on. Uh, yeah, right. Um, so, anyways, every year he would invite 10 Torah scholars to his home on the first night of Shavuos, for whom he uh, prepared a nice feast. Well, I'm hungry. Yeah, you're definitely hungry. You didn't eat all day. Well, after the feast, after this meal, they would recite Tikkun. What's Tikkun? Oh, so Tikkun, let's get to that. Tikkun is something that we read on Shavuos night, for those who don't know. Tikkun Shvuas is called. And uh, Nisim, just check if my junior reporter is calling in because I told him to call 745. Uh, I just, I'm looking, is I? I'm looking. I You're I'm looking just, and you don't see. Okay. Know, and Tikkun Shavuas, okay. Talking about Tikkun Shavuas, right? Tikkun Lel Shavuas, yeah. Uh, you, you have something to add about Tikkun Lel Shavuas? Yes, yes. Oh, go ahead. All right. Okay, <laughs> we, we, we know that uh, it's very, very important to, you know, that first of all, why are you doing, why people... You know, what the, the main reason that people say that Tikkun, right? Because Neisel was so tired and the before Kabbalah, Kabbalah Torah, and they went to sleep. And right now, now to be like Mechaper, they're doing like this Tikkun. But uh, as we know that the Kabbalah Torah, receiving the Torah, we will get it in Zayn Besivan, right? Not in Vav Sivan, correct? Yes, above, uh, what was it? No, Zayn no, Zayn Rabbeinu had a day from himself. Okay, this according to the to the uh, Gemara. And so the question is, this, why are you doing Vav Sivan? So the uh, according to um, many Rabbanim, many like Ben Ishchai, Chachamovad Yosef, that uh, you have uh, to do two, two, two nights in a row. And I know that most of us not follow this. But uh, quite a few people doing it. Uh, you know, Nisim, I you know I work in a school. I have to announce this. I work in a school that's uh, we do uh, we do let's just call a key roof, and we try to help these kids uh, go on the the uh, derech, right? So uh, what was it? Last week I had this guy, the Lubavitcher guy. Yes. What was it? So this I, last week I had this guy. He was a Lubavitcher guy, and he uh, came into the studio. And believe it or not, he was a ex-convict. And, you know, Kindelach, this person, he uh, came in from, uh, he now lives in Crown Heights. Uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, he became from, and, you know, and he had a, a great idea for all those kids. You know, something, a lot of times there's always going to be hardship. But if you're going to look at it in a way that not hard, and it's really simple, quite simple, then it won't be so hard. It's all in your head. That's the, what I could tell you. Um, anyways, so back to our story. Matzliach, the antique dealer. Uh, back to the antique dealer. Oh, somebody asked, what did we, this week challenge? No, I'm sorry, Kindelach. There is no challenge this week. Challenge is to be awake all night and go to with your father the shul that is and the challenge. That's a challenge yes that's this a really challenging challenge. thing to do and uh and that's you know really, I, it really is you know nisim it's really hard even for me to be up all night on shvuot okay to be up so you have to prepare yourself this everything on right. the head and everything you know in the head. and i'm all night preparing for my shows 
And I want to tell you, I want to tell you something. Uh, if you take it seriously and take this is like your own mission, you will do it. Really. And besides this, one thing that I want to tell the, that the Arizal said, you know, uh, that if, if you are not going to be serious in this night, and you know, they have two nights that basically, uh, according to the Kabbalah, it's a very, very important night. This is the night of Oshan Arba and the night of Tikkun Shabbat. This is the all this night. And then this is the Arizal said that if you are going to talk nonsense, or if you're not going to follow that, you know, the Limud, or things preferable that to sleep home and to stay home. I'm telling you, this is loud and clear. You if say you, it's stay, better to stay home um, through this night. Yes. And so if you in, it come to if those, you're going to become uh, uh, yeah, if battle and uh, and doing Revenisim over here says, oh, what do you say again? That uh, you uh, should stay home if you're going to be battled because Shavuos night is not a night to be battled. It's a night to uh, strengthen yourself in learning and you know so the and, night the night is very short it's till four o'clock yeah, yeah. it really isn't that long and you know i actually uh have a lot of fun on shrewd's night i go to some good shirim uh you know good speeches which are really uh i know bjx has really wonderful a program um what okay no no, no, just, no. you know okay i i <laughs> i personally i personally you know as that the, the gone mevina said that uh the, he said that basically we have the tikkun. The tikkun is basically our chachamim, our sages, tiknuided and, and make this tikkun that you read uh, Sefer Dvarim, you read the Zohar, you read the, uh, 613 mitzvot. You have certain laws and the, even even the biggest chachamim, even the, I know that now it's, it's like a modern or a fashion to go to shurim. It's okay if you, can, if you cannot sit and learn or uh, repeat what, you know, learning what, what the Chachamim take, you know, so it's okay. It's what you call it, a rabbi miuto. A rabbi miuto. But the, the whole idea, and the Gorn Vivina said, you know. Nisim, I, I really, uh, I'm sorry, I got to finish my story. Yeah, and so uh, finish, okay. my French Milky is waiting for me to uh, finish no over here. No problem. Uh, I am, I'm waiting so long, you know, it's getting so boring. Why is it getting boring? Nisim is talking. That's not nice. Come on. Oh, you know, that's, uh, that's really that's not nice. The, that's a problem. That how, are go, <laughs> how, how are you going to overnight, to do overnight and you're talking about nonsense? Yeah, I know. Uh, is my uh, junior reporter calling? Because I just told him to call. No, no. Okay, well, if he's not calling, I'm going back to my story. Well, so as I said, Masliach was an uh, antique dealer and we had a lot of uh, stuff over there. And... Uh, Yes, my jury reporter is calling. Okay, uh, yeah, put him on already. I want to speak to him already. I can't wait. And my junior reporter is here. And uh, Moish, uh, how are you doing? Good, Rakshan. How are you? Yeah, it's been a long time. Where did you disappear to? It wasn't actually a week. I had some lot of homework to be done. Wow. Hey, you know what? Seems like forever. Yeah, I, you know, for me, it, everything, all these stuff, all these stuff feel like it's really a long time. Um, so anyways, what are we uh, going to talk about this week? Well, this week we're going to talk about two stories. And Sorry. about one, one story that we're going to start off is called The Specialist of Hanapati. And, it's, and it talks about that we should, look, that we should have in Tashem. Daven Tashem, huh? The okay. Berger family re returned to their home in Russia from a, from a trip that they traveled to. The wife told the husband that we, they were all of a sudden walked into the house and they see that they had a robbery in the house. So the husband, told, he just had a trauma. He just couldn't get out of it. He got, every, he got nightmares no matter what. After this robbery that he came back, he got nightmares every single second. He just went crazy. So they went to every second. He would say, "Oh, I hear is, is there a robbery?" And he would mamish go crazy. So they said, "You know what? We're gonna travel. We're gonna travel to the Rebbe, to Rebbe Mordechai." And they traveled, and the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, "Rebbe David Berger, 
You need the specialist of Hanapoli. Only he can help you. So the Rebbe, Reb Mordechai, told this person that had that had been that had been burglarized. He he was Reb David Berger, and so the Reb Mordechai told him, "Go to the specialist in Hanapoli, and he will help you." So Reb David got home and he told his wife that now I have to go. Tra- I'm going to go travel to Hanapoli, and then we'll see what the doctor, what the specialist says. So he hired a horse and wagon, and they traveled, and he traveled there. He, the wagon driver told him, okay, we're here in Hanapoli, and you can, and I'll, I'm dropping you off in the town. When you're ready, come back. I'm right over here. He goes over to some man he sees, and he says, is there, where's the specialist? One who can help, maybe even a little doctor. And the of the man of, from the city of Hanapoli said, no, there's no one. There's not even a, a nurse's aide that can find. We just have a midwife. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And David Berger, he ran onto the horse and wagon, and he said, told the wagon driver, I want you to take me straight to the Rebbe Mordechai. I need to speak to him. He says, the wagon driver says, what do you mean? What happened already? Specialist in Hanapoli. He traveled to Hanapoli, spent the money since it's worth it to get healed and not be sick. So it's worth it to spend the money. And meanwhile, he goes to comes to Hanapoli, and he's every and they're telling him that there's no such thing as a specialist. There's only a midwife, midwife, no one higher than a midwife. So he, and the wagon driver tells him, "Well, if you would have asked me to take you to the specialist in, of Hanapoli in the beginning, I would have told you there's no specialist." Anyways, he gets to the Rebbe, and Rebbe David goes into Mordechai, and he asks him, Rebbe, you told me to go to the specialist in Hanapoli. I get Hanapoli, and I tell them, where is the specialist? And this famous specialist, and they tell me there's no specialist. I ask them, what about a nurse, a doctor? They tell me there's not not even a, 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 a nurse's aide, a nurse's helper, and there's only a midwife. No one higher than a midwife. And there's only one midwife. So the Rebbe says, so then he, who, what happens when, when the people in Hanapoli, what happens when they get sick? What happens when they can't, when they need a doctor? What do they do? And all of a sudden, Rebbe David realizes that the, who the specialist of Hanapoli is and who the specialist and doctor and nurse is of the whole world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem is the one. Who, who is the doctor. Hashem is the one who's the specialist. Before you go to any doctor, speak to Hashem that everything should be good. And then you just have to do your part and go to the doctor and so you can get a checkup. Wow. That's an unbelievable story. Thank you for that story. That's a really unbelievable story. Um, okay, so let's finish up the story. That I'm saying. Uh, have a great Shabbos, Moshe. Okay, and, Shabbos. Uh, uh, have a great Shabbos next week. Okay. Okay, bye. So, anyways, uh, we have only a few more minutes, and I got to finish up the story. So it all started many years ago, and Masliach learned for the first time about the origin of uh, Yiddish custom. Stay awake for the first time of Shabbos. He was greatly surprised to learn that on the night before the great day when Hashem was giving the Torah to the Yidden, they did not stay awake. They fell asleep. Well, indeed, they slept so soundly that when Hashem descended, went down to the mountain to give the Torah to the Yidden, they weren't there. So Hashem let loose a huge thunder and lightning, which woke them all up and uh, sent them hurrying to the mountain where they... Uh, came um so yeah um well not that the people were not eager to receive the Torah on the contrary they were counting the days 49 days seven full weeks from the day after they left from uh, Mitzrayim eagerly awaiting the great day when the Torah would be given to them well the night before the Yom Tov Shuas the holiday shows when one would have expected them to be so excited 
and even to think about sleeping, they slept more soundly than ever. They, did they want to be well rested and refreshed and wide awake for the great moment? What happened over there? Well, but as it may, it was a letdown, and so it became the custom of Yidin everywhere to make it up and uh, stay up. This is what Tikkun means. Tikkun means correction. Well, Maslich and his guests certainly observed this uh, fine custom in a way, and it impressed and inspired the whole community. There came a time, however, when Shavuos approached, and Maslich found himself in a difficult situation. Business was not good, and Maslich simply had no money, not only for his nice uh, yumta meal, but also he had no money for his own family. And in the way of food and wine for the yumtas, well, he told his wife, about his great, uh, that he has no money, he told his wife about it. It's not so much your our own, own need that distresses me, the woman said, but the fact that you can't keep your custom, it's sad to think about. But what can we do? Well, I still have my precious earrings. Take them. And she uh, gave the earrings to Masliach and as he was walking home cheerfully, Masleach met the Rebbe Rav Hayitayv, the chief rabbi of Tunisia, and Masleach greeted the Rebbe, and the Rebbe returned the greeting. You saved me a trip, the Rebbe said. I'm going around collecting for our poor so they can celebrate. Without hesitation, Masleach put his hand in the pocket and gave the rabbi the money he just had from the, the money from the earrings. Well... Well, the rabbi said, Hashem should bless you and should do many more mitzvahs and good deeds. Slowly, Masleach continued his way. What am I going to tell my wife, he said. Suddenly heard his name called. Yeah, Masleach, you're just the man I want. The caller was one of the royal servants of Bay of Tunis. His majesty sent me to out to buy a tank coffee cup. I have no idea where to get them, but you have an idea. Get them for me and you will be rewarded. Well... And lo and behold, Matliach got the uh, cups for them. And, uh, well, walking through the marketplace, Matliach met the person again, and he was shopping. Did you manage to find the right cups for me, the person asked. Thanks to Hashem, yes, I did. Well, the person took Matliach with the cups to the royal court. The king was so happy. Just what I wanted, he said. I know that the Yitten are so busy with the preparations for Yomtev. I am pleased that you took the time out. Well, the truth to tell, Your Majesty, I have not yet bought a thing. The king immediately ordered one of his servants to send my left house to sack of fine flour, jug of olive oil. So basically what happened was he did tzedakah. The moral of the story is he did tzedakah. And when he did tzedakah, Hashem made it that a nice should occur, and he got saved. Uh, this has been the Kishroni Hour. I'm Moshe Grunfeld. It's 8.02 right now with the time, 8.02. Have a great Shabbos. Have a great Yom Tif. I'll see you all next week. Have a wonderful Yom Tif. And Bezat Hashem, I will be back next week. <laughs>